Fertility is a booming business, but it's also a very personal journey. In this episode, we'll dig into some fertility facts and secrets to deepen our understanding of the fertility process. Joining us today to share these facts and secrets is Dr. Ellie Hobeka, a reproductive endocrinologist at Fertility Centers of Illinois and board-certified OBGYN. This is the Time to Talk Fertility Podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Howell. Dr. Hobeka, here's the first fact about IVF. Tell us if it's true or false. Going through IVF does not decrease your fertility or your ovarian reserve. That is correct. Going through IVF recruits the maximum number of follicles that can be recruited in a given month. However, if you were not doing IVF, you would recruit only one or two and the remaining ones would die away. That means doing IVF only increases the number of follicles that can be recruited without necessarily speeding up the loss of your ovarian reserve. Well, that's good news. Here's the next one. While women bear the brunt of the work for creating a child, men are just as likely to be diagnosed with infertility issues. That is somehow correct. The chances that males or females are diagnosed with infertility is approximately the same. To be just like general, one-third of the times the problem lies in the female, one-third of the time it lies in a male, and in one-third of the time there's a problem in both partners and a heterosexual couple. Well, you can't get more equal than that. <laughs> Another common error, some primary care physicians prescribe testosterone for men trying to have kids. Is there anything wrong with that? There's something that's very wrong with that, actually prescribing testosterone via an, ex an exogenous source, such as either by tablets or injections, will shut down the production of sperm in a male. And it's very unfortunate that there's some physicians out there that are unaware of that, and they usually do not check with the men and see if they're trying to conceive with their partners or not. So definitely for all the men out there who are trying to have a child or trying to conceive, they should be off the use of testosterone, whether it's orally ingested or injected intramuscularly. No tea. Not every doctor understands PCOS either. It takes an average of two years and three doctors to be properly diagnosed. It is one of the unfortunate things also that is out there. Diagnosing PCOS should not take more than two to three, to like two visits to make the diagnosis. It's usually initially a visit to collect the history, do an exam and order some blood work and an ultrasound. And by the time patient comes back for a follow-up visit, we usually can make a clear diagnosis and can confirm if she truly has PCOS or not. I'm not exactly sure if it is lack of follow-up or lack of training of physicians that making those times that long. But usually whenever women seek care with a reproductive endocrinologist and infertility specialist, they should have a definitive answer within, within two visits. And another tricky one, endometriosis takes an average of 10 years for a diagnosis, and I can speak to that because it took 15 to get mine diagnosed. <laughs> well, and unfortunately also, this is uh, kind of like more understandable and common to happen. Definitive diagnosis of endometriosis lies in having surgery and seeing those lesions in the abdomen, biopsying them, and getting a histologic diagnosis. Now, the symptoms of endometriosis are pain. Now, clearly not every woman who has pain will end up having surgery to see why this pain is, is there. In rare instances, women may have cysts on the ovary that look on the ultrasound that have a characteristic appearing on ultrasound called endometriomas or chocolate cysts. 
Those who have those cysts will have a relatively easier and faster time from symptoms to diagnosis, but unfortunately, women do struggle with this disease until a final diagnosis is made, and usually this is when they get to the point of having a surgery and having those lesions biopsied and confirmed. Got it. Now, there's some prescription medications that can hurt fertility. Correct. We just spoke about testosterone a few minutes ago, that it's one of them. Other medications that can affect men include those that decrease the testosterone availability in their blood or that prevent testosterone from binding to its receptor. In women, there are some medications that will alter their ovulation pattern and can cause them to have an ovulatory cycle, which will prevent them technically from conceiving. It's very important whenever women who are trying to get pregnant go to their OBGYN's office or their reproductive endocrinologist's office to disclose all the different medications that they are taking. Got it. Now, this is surprising. Most people don't undergo genetic carrier screening before trying for a child. Should they do that? It's something that's highly recommended to be done, especially that it can make you avoid transmission of major diseases to your offspring. So the whole concept lies in making sure both partners do not have a mutated gene for the same disease. And this is usually something that none of us, none of them will know that if they're carrying. If a person has a mutated gene for a disease, they're not going to be affected and usually none of their family members will be. But once they are conceiving with a partner and if this partner has a mutated gene for the same disease, they will have one in four children that may be affected with this disease. And usually those are major and affect the quality of life. So better safe than sorry, we recommend that all couples get screened for those. And it is true that in the vast majority of cases, we will not end up in a situation where this risk is present. And how about chronic conditions like diabetes, thyroid, morbid obesity? If they're not managed, should you see a doctor before starting to try for a baby? hundred percent. I mean, some of our patients uh, are uh, more focused on the fact of getting pregnant, but there are major diseases that, one, decrease the chance of patients getting pregnant and then increase the chance of miscarriage, and diabetes is one of them. Uncontrolled diabetes increases the chances of pregnancy loss in the first trimester. It increases the loss of having children with congenital anomalies, mainly heart anomalies, and it also increases the chances of having pregnancy loss later in pregnancy. Other major diseases as well, we should have a holistic approach technically and think of the body as a whole. If the body is diseased or has a certain uh, illness, one should control the sickness in the optimal way possible before uh, trying to conceive because pregnancy in itself will cause an additional stress on the body and the body needs to be prepared for it. Absolutely. Now, we all likely know several people with infertility and those who are open with their fertility journey are always kind of surprised by how many people close to them also need help. That's very correct. I mean, infertility affects approximately 15% of the population. And right now, in this day and age, uh, a lot of people are sharing their journey. And the more people they share it, the more surprised they're going to they're gonna realize of how, how many couples out there have gone through that journey, even though they may not have, they would not usually disclose it, but they will whenever they find another couple that has gone through that journey. Genetic testing of embryos certainly was not covered by insurance, but uh, new changes can help some people. How so? Yeah, it's actually something that we as fertility specialists just has been discovering recently. Uh, genetic testing has been something that is usually out of pocket and not part of the insurance plans of a lot of patients. But right now, surprisingly, insurance have been bearing a big cost of that test. 
uh, making the out-of-pocket cost for couples significantly reduced. So it could be something that a lot of patients may benefit for. It is still uh, unclear for us what the reasons of that coverage is. But over the year of 2020, we have been seeing approximately, based on the insurance, of course, approximately 6 to 70% of those biopsies being covered. This is an easy one. True or false, you'll be seeing and talking to your care team a lot during treatment. Oh, this is very true. Our patients will be closely talking to us, talking to our nurses, talking to our front desk for appointments. Uh, They will be updating us on how they're feeling. If anything comes up with them, they will talk to the nurses, to the physicians. And a lot of times it's a teamwork that happens on the side of the uh, care team where the nurses reconvene with the doctors and then communicate the findings or the results of the patients. So there's definitely a lot of communications going on and we strongly encourage patients to be proactive and to take the initiative into asking questions if they have or requesting to talk to their doctor or their nurses if they need to. Speaking about being proactive, can consuming a diet rich in whole grains, fruits and veggies, seafood and plant-based proteins improve success rates after IVF? That is very true, and it should be sorted at any point during the process, even if someone found late that this is the best diet to use. It's never late to start it. This is the most recommended diet that improves fertility of couples, either spontaneously or those undergoing treatment. This is my favorite one. Eating yams does not increase your likelihood of having twins. That's true. It does not. I mean, there's some old, old, there's like an old myth about some tribes that ate a lot of yams and the rates of twins in those tribes was extremely elevated. Other theories are that yams increase your natural progesterone level. Unfortunately, none of those have any scientific evidence that backs this data. Three more myths or secrets. CoQ10 supplementation may improve egg quality, right? That is correct. I mean, CoQ10 is one of the supplements that have the most evidence in terms of uh, improvement of fat quality if taken at the right dose. This is where a lot of uh, patients miss. And the correct dose is 200 milligrams taken three times daily. But there's no secret supplement that will make you fertile, quote unquote. 100% correct. There's no secret supplement that will switch, that will turn the switch on or off from fertility to no fertility. Among the many minerals and vitamins that are being studied, maybe as we mentioned a few seconds earlier, CoQ10 has the most of evidence. There is another vitamin that has been shown to have an increased rate of recruitment of the ovaries during IVF in women who have a low reserve, and it's called DHEA. That's for a lot of uses. Correct. Okay. How about taking a prenatal vitamin before you get pregnant? Very important? It is very important, and it's suggested that women start prenatal vitamins three months before trying to conceive. And the main reason with it is to build the store, the the source of the body in terms of vitamins and nutrients, because the pregnancy will will absorb all those nutrients from the woman's body. Another main reason for prenatal vitamin supplementation is providing adequate amount of folic acids to prevent any neural tube defect that may occur during pregnancy. And Dr. Hobeka, you see patients day in, day out through their whole journey. Can you share some words of hope with our listeners? Well, I always uh, tell my patients that infertility is a journey. We definitely know when it starts, but we do not know when it's end. But I can tell them to be positive and hopeful because the uh, end is worth waiting for. And eventually they will end up getting the result that they want. Well, Dr. Hobeka, we can't thank you enough for being with us today and for letting us learn all these new facts and secrets about the IVF process. It was very, very fascinating. Thank you for having me, Deborah.
That was Dr. Ellie Hobeka, a gynecologist and reproductive endocrinologist at Fertility Centers of Illinois and board certified in OBGYN. Find out more about the services FCI provides for patients by calling 877-324-4483 or head on over to fcionline.com to schedule a telemedicine appointment with one of our wonderful physicians. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can find more like it in our podcast library and be sure to give us a like and a follow if you do. This has been the Time to Talk Fertility Podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Howell. Have yourself a terrific day.